Alright, what up guys? Welcome back to Monster to Monster, where we take a good deeper look into pop culture monsters. My name's Zach. And I'm Katie. And today, we're going to talk about the big bad Venom symbiote. Ooh. Now, I don't really know much about Venom. I was more of a DC kid, so I didn't really grow up with much of the Marvel characters. You didn't even watch, like, the Spider-Man animated series? I watched a little bit of it, but again... the jam, man. You never watched that? You didn't... No, I didn't really watch the animated series. I didn't get a whole lot of background. So, what I remember of Spider-Man growing up is the, like... Sunday newspaper comics, but I didn't get the rest of the week, so I'd only okay. get the one every seven days, and so none of it ever made sense. So today, we I chose to talk about Venom, not really the um, portion of him that is like the big scary creature, but more kind of focusing on the, the symbiotic organism. Okay, so Venom in and of itself is not the big thing that we see in the movie that just came out, Venom. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the big creature that Tom Hardy is. We're talking about the little thing yeah. that made Tom Hardy into the big thing. Yeah, because combined they create the creature Venom. Ah. But the symbiote has to form a bond in order to become that bestial creature. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. So if we go back and we look in the comic books where he first came from, they actually named the symbiote race uh the clintar clintar i'm not sure how you pronounce it um but there's actually two factions to this species of alien form so like the autobots and the decepticons yeah yeah so there's the group that kind of after they gain their freedom from backstory that we don't have time to go into okay they try to reclaim their do some pr make themselves look better got a haircut got a nice suit and said listen I can run for president. So instead of being used as weapons, they found um, hosts to try and do good in the galaxy. Okay. And so that group is called the Agents of the Cosmos. So they're like planting trees and on desert they, planets. They're kind of like an alien police force, you know, like protecting people. Okay, so, so, so they're, they're the, Team America World Police yeah. Force, but for the universe. So there's a, there's a group of symbiotes that, you know, protect the universe, but... They are still susceptible to their host's emotions. Okay. So these creatures, they kind of feed off emotional energy and the chemicals that are produced in your brain. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they can still be corrupted by, like, hosts that were bad. So they kind of, like, reverted back to their more bestial, weaponized state. So the other group, they call the corrupted. Okay. So hold on. The... Agents of the cosmos. So the agents of the cosmos feed off of their hosts and if their host is negative then become one of the corrupted yeah so they kind of become more consuming oriented okay so it's not that there's two factions saying the agents of the cosmos are purely good and the corrupted only wanted to feed on negative emotions it was they kind of splintered Mm -hmm. and anyone who got who happened to find a host that had negative emotions would eventually become a corrupted yeah, so the corrupted okay. are they're more they consume their host instead of working with their host. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So they just use up the vessel and then move on. 
to okay. another host. So the corrupted just become ravenous for these emotions. They they want to spread the Imperium, so they just essentially want to consume the cosmos and it all be the Clintar. But then what would they feed on? I don't know if they think that far ahead. It's a big cosmos. They'd probably have like, you know, host breeding groups or something like that. Gotcha. Right, you know we might I mean? be getting a little too far into this now. We are. Okay. But anyways, so there's off. good there's good symbiotes and there's bad symbiotes. Okay. And, you know, comic books being comic books, they don't really go into detail what the the good guys feed off of if they're not consuming their house type of thing. Light versus dark. It's yeah. good versus yeah. bad, everybody. Um, so let's get back to Venom. Okay. And how he got to Earth. Back to reality. So Earth that goes gravity. So he was a very young he's like a, considered a young symbiote back in the day and he was outcast because he wanted to he was in the corrupted group mm-hmm. and so everyone's like no you've got to consume your host you know use the vessel get a new one but venom was like no i want to form a relationship i want to you know this is a long-term thing for me okay and so he was considered like crazy so they stranded him on an island in like a capsule not an island on a planet okay and then that planet eventually becomes battle world okay which is visited by Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Is Battle World also where Hulk ended up? Uh, no, I think that's... It might be. I don't know. Okay. No, well, that's movie universe. We're not... Okay, gotcha. This is loose. This is like an amalgamation of years of comic book writing. I got gotcha, Kind of condensed, gotcha. you know what I mean? Okay, okay. So, Peter Par- Spider-Man, he needed a new costume, because this was all torn to shred, fighting aliens and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, he finds this, like, um, orb in the container and then you know he opens it up i guess thor told him about it or something like that i mean who doesn't occasionally go to a planet called battle world and just open a random capsule with an orb yeah. hoping to get new clothes so the idea is that it's supposed to be like a biological like an organic suit that can regenerate itself type of thing okay it was the original concept you know and then so as the comic books go on the suit turns into venom and venom has his own mindset and combines with other hosts okay um and the like most famous host that that is venom is eddie brock and he's uh venom has also been bonded with multiple other hosts but he always seems to come back to eddie because they were together for so long baby come back yeah so you know they have like this relationship this back and forth relationship where they're like we need to split up you know what i mean listen we're just toxic for each other it's yeah. all right we need to work on you like venom has been in the same room as eddie brock and will leave a host to go and back <gasps> to be eddie's no <laughs> eddie's the toxic relationship <laughs> maybe eddie, why? eddie he loves you so much so like the notable things about how the clintar the symbiotes in the marvel universe operate is from what i find is that they you know they need a host to be fully functional mm-hmm. to be that like that full creature because mm-hmm. um, otherwise they're just like like a blob you know what I mean ew and they just kind of roll around and latch on to hosts and stuff like that um, but like they, a leech essentially right kind of yeah okay so they enact their control over the host by amplifying emotional imbalances okay so that was like where the corrupted they'll make their hosts like jump off of cliffs because they want that adrenaline so they can you know what I mean absorb those emotional energy is what they call it not not chemical releases in the brain the yeah. emotional energy it's a, it's a back and forth in the comic book it's emotional energy and you know the chemical imbalances gotcha depends on which character you talk to for thor it's probably the humors in right the, going through your body i if mean you're if talking to doc ock it's like no it's definitely <laughs> chemicals if we're talking about symbiotes and um 
the Asgardians, Venom has been quoted as saying that they are like the Kobe beef of humans. Oh, delightful. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But anyways. And so on that topic of Venom eating things, I was trying to find like what the symbiote feeds off of. You know what I mean? How mm-hmm. he you know, generates mass and energy and all that stuff. There's like a chemical called phenethylamine, which is like a nervous stimulant. And I guess is like the main thing that Venom feeds off of. Okay, so he actually feeds off nervous energy more than anything else then, right? I guess so. So in the comic books, the way that they have Eddie Brock making sure that Venom isn't running around just eating people or, you know, consuming Eddie as Mm -hmm. a whole is that you give him chocolate. Oh, that's kind of (laughs) cute. Right. God, they are just a stereotypical relationship. Eddie Brock, like, does something mean. Venom leaves. He goes, baby, I brought you chocolate. Come back. (laughs) It's like, okay. And Venom just, like, crawls back. No, Venom, you're too good for him, you precious cinnamon bun. (laughs) You can do it on your own. So I guess um, phenethylamine is a chemical that's commonly found in chocolate. Okay. And so in the comic book, Venom is a chocoholic. I'm sorry, can somebody please make me a picture of Eddie Brock as Venom, just like in a bathtub full of hot chocolate? (laughs) That'd be great. That'd be so good. Um, But it has been seen that when Eddie... I guess didn't feed him enough, or you know his cra- his bloodlust is like craving, got too high. Mm-hmm. Venom just went around the city while Eddie was blacked out and eating people's heads. Wait, hold on. Because while Eddie was blacked out, so he like he just can took control, over his body. Well, if he like yeah, he can control his body. He's like, I'm tired of being in a two part system. Shut you down. I'm gonna go eat some brain matter, because that is where you find phenethylamine. Is in brain matter. The comic panel I saw was just Venom going, mmm, soup. <laughs> I love that. Right. And then he chomps the guy's head off. Beautiful. Because what I was trying to figure out is, you know, because we're trying to look into, the, like, symbiotic relationships this episode. Mm-hmm. Was, like, what is the negative part of being bonded with the Venom organism? Okay. One. Because normally, a symbiotic relationship, there's a give and take, or, you know, there's mutual benefits or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, he has to be feeding off of something. So I was trying to figure out if that was something was consuming part of Eddie or, you know, where they were getting that from. So the best thing I could find was the chocolate mm-hmm. and, like, the brain matter stuff. So really in this, the, the parasitic relationship and the symbiotic relationship that we have is that Venom gets a body and he gets a food source with the chemical compounds. Mm-hmm. But Eddie gets... Like the physical strength, mm-hmm. is that all he gets? Is he just big, beefy? There's jockey? regeneration, uh, super strength, mm-hmm. um, and then you know there's the Spider-Man-like powers that um, was coded into Venom's symbiote DNA. Okay. So not every symbiote is actually like a Spider-Man person. Okay. Just that's just that. part of his genetic memory for the time that he was bonded with Spider-Man. with Peter Parker. Yeah. So what other kinds of symbiotes? I guess not symbiotes, because symbiotes is the Marvel word for it. Yeah, symbiote is a fictional word created in the comic books, mm-hmm. along with symbiotes. Okay. And so, what I, you know, in trying to find the real-world connection to our monster, mm-hmm. they actually, they are called symbionts. Symbionts. Like, well, I think that's how you say it. B-I-O-N-T. Symbionts. Okay. Plural. Gotcha. Sorry, I'll, like, keep thinking is symbiont say god can i do that for halloween you want to be I beyonce just, i want to be beyonce Venom? symbiote okay okay i love this idea 
moving on. So yeah, I was really fascinated by the what I've been calling symbiotic relationship. Um, so you know, while I was looking for other cool symbiotic relationships, there's actually a movie trailer that I saw for it just came out in April. Okay. It's a film called Sputnik. I'm already intrigued because right. that obviously is something having to do with the Russian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a Cold War Russian era film. Like it's set in the Cold War era. Okay. And so there was a um, space mission, and then it went bad, and there was only like one survivor that they rescued from the crash site. Mm-hmm. Um, so he so they bring in this like psychologist, I think psychiatrist psychologist. Either way. Either way. And they're like, we need you to make sure he's okay. And you're like, okay, why Why are you bringing in, you know what I mean? So mm. she shows up, and it's clear that there's something else going on, because he's like locked up in a room, heavily guarded, and That's stuff never, like that. It's never a good sign. So I don't want to give up too much away from the film, because it's really new. So in case you all want to go watch it. But it's very clear that this is a sci-fi horror film with some sort of creature that is coming out of this Russian astronaut. Ooh. If you watch the trailer, it's got this like alien sci-fi Stranger Things vibe going on. I it's love great. It. And I was reading about where they filmed everything. It was like in this abandoned, you know, like uh, a warehouse. Yeah, warehouse <gasps> that like kind of set the mood as like harsh Russian architecture from the eighties. Mm. I'm excited. So that was what kind of inspired me. And then I was like, oh, that, that's like a symbiotic relationship. And then I tie, you know, I was like, okay, well, Venom's a symbiote. I could, I could bring all these together. Look at that. And then, well, actually, no. I don't want to give too much away. Okay. But yeah, there's a creature inside this man, this Russian. But a fun fact that I learned was that the word Sputnik is also a word for companion or fellow traveler. Oh, no. Because at first, you know, you see the word Sputnik, and you're like, okay, the Russian satellite. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, no. The name... The title of the film is because of the creature living inside the man. Oh, no. Because it's like fellow traveler. And, you know, the commander didn't come back alone. He brought a friend. Yeah, a friend. friend. Eddie, Brock, and Venom are friends. They are. Maybe, maybe Commander Russia also <laughs> has a friend. Commander Russia? Well, it's like Captain America. His name maybe. is now Commander Russia. We'll have Russia. to watch the film to find out. And then, you know, so I'm sitting here looking at this this alien creature in this horror film, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, what other classic sci-fi horror comes to mind? Hmm. Let's see. Something that, you know, latches on to you. Ooh. Ooh. Are we going to talk about aliens? Are we going to talk about... Yes. We're talking about the facehugger xenomorphs. Oh, no! They're the worst! So I was like, if that's not a symbiotic relationship... I don't know what is. It seems more like a parasitic relationship than a symbiotic Oh, it's definitely a parasitic relationship. Okay. It actually could be classified as parasitoid. Parasitoid. So it's like a creature that lays its eggs in another creature and then bursts out. Oh. Oh. Yeah, which is exactly what the chest burster is. Okay. So there's actually a few different bugs that do something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the, I think it's the tarantula wasp will do that. Where like it yeah. lays its eggs in the back of the tarantula and then the larvae will eat the tarantula from the inside out until mm-hmm. they're big enough. So there's a whole slew of, you know, different bugs and creatures in the natural world that do very similar symbiotic relationship. So looking at the, looking at the xenomorphs, the primary symbiotic relationship I would say would be the, the facehugger 
reproduction reproduction phase where the xenomorph needs a host in order to reproduce mm-hmm. into the xenomorph. Okay. Because it goes face hugger, human host, impregnation, and then, you know, consuming the host, bursting out of the chest, and then evolving, you know, growing quickly after and from the xenomorph mm-hmm. stage. Gotcha. So, as somebody who, again, has not seen very many of the alien movies either, do they grow quickly because they were in a human host, or did they grow quickly regardless of host? So, like, on their own home planet, did they grow that quickly, no matter what they in? We're not going to use the term home planet here. Laid their eggs Because there's a lot of theories and oh, ideas no. on xenomorphs and how they operate. Did I open a can of worms? There's a whole... This is... We can do, like, probably three whole episodes no. on the alien I'm sorry. species and film on their own. Because once they brought... No. See? Look, here I go. See? Once they brought in the Covenant films no, no. along with Stop. the Prometheus films, Stop. there's a whole different, like, genetic makeup. Stop. So anyways, it's part of their genetic makeup that they just grow very quickly. Okay. So it doesn't have to necessarily do with the human host. It's mm-hmm. just how they Something are. in their DNA that they just rapidly become... Adults. Destructive forces of nature. So teenagers. Yeah, teenagers. Exactly. Okay, so in the natural world, we know that we have creatures that are like the xenomorph that will take over something and lay eggs. We know that there are other symbiotic relationships similar to what Venom and Eddie Brock have, Mm -hmm. where I'm feeding off you, but at the same time, I'm giving you something in return. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of, like, birds and hippos do that a lot, where, like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're protecting me and giving me a food source, but I'm also keeping you clean so nothing happens to you. Yeah, so things like that are considered symbiotic relationships. Yes. So what other kinds of symbiotic relationships would there would there be in the natural world? So in my research, I found that there are primarily, like, three different symbiotic relationships. Okay. And so, like, the first one is mutualism, which mm-hmm. is the relationship between organisms of different species in which both benefit from the association. Okay. So, like, clownfish and sea anemones would be a mutualist, mutualistic symbiotic relationship. Okay, because the sea anemone offers the protection in the home. Yeah. And the clownfish attracts, like, more food for the sea anemone to yeah. eat, right? Because uh, So there will be larger fish that aren't that are affected by the sting of the mm-hmm. anemone. And then they, you know, the little fish are swimming around, big fish tries and comes and get it. And then now the anemone has dinner and the clownfish has protection. Very cool. Another relationship is called commensalism. And it's the host between two organisms where one benefits from the relationship, but the other, there's no harm or benefit. Okay, so kind of like a remora and a shark. And the remora is eating all of the, like, any leavings. But the shark doesn't necessarily get anything from the remora. Well, the shark does get clean in that instance, right? I don't believe so. Cause it's the not remora, a clean relationship? No, because the remora isn't a sucker fish. Oh, it just, okay. like, hangs out underneath their feet. Yeah, it'd be like that, or, you know, barnacles attaching to whales. Okay. There's no negative association for the whales. Mm-hmm. And the barnacles just get afloat around the ocean. But the next relationship, parasitism, which we talked about previously... Mm-hmm is where one lives with, on, or in a host species at the expense of the host. Okay. And so that's, actually, barnacles can also fall into this because they are parasites to crabs. Okay. And they actually destroy the, like, crab's reproductive system. Ooh. Not, like, destroy, but it is definitely diminished, so they can't be as reproductive. That's not good. Yeah. And then there are two other ones that they are not commonly considered a symbiotic relationship based off of the fact that they're, like, brief interactions. Okay. So, like, competition, you know, lions compete for mates, or, like, an elk will battle each other. 
hmm. for mates is considered a symbiotic relationship. Okay. Because the fitness of one is lowered by the presence of the other. Huh. All right. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought of that. But yeah, okay. so that's why it's not really considered. It's not really considered a symbiotic relationship. Okay. Like so interaction. It's not, okay, it's a symbiotic interaction without being a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And there's also predation. So like you know, one animal feeding on another. You can look at certain parasites mm-hmm. are borderline predators. Okay. But the fact that they consume their hosts at a smaller level instead of whole, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It kind of it makes them more parasitic versus. Gotcha. A predator. Like the brainworm. Yeah. In, in grasshoppers mm-hmm. that makes them go like zombie and then jump off things and drown themselves and then the worm swims out and finds another one yeah and that's again that's actually normally probably a longer symbiotic relationship where the grasshopper is the host and the end result is actually a bird parasite you know they want to be a parasite on a bird hmm. okay so there's like different stages and you know multilateral okay so parasitism would be if it had a longer stage life Predation is more like, like an actual predator. Yeah. So like an orca is like an apex predator. Mm-hmm. And they eat 140 different species. But nothing hunts on the orca. There was a video a while ago about a great white shark and an orca fighting. Yeah, but were they hunting or just having I don't, an argument? I don't know. <laughs> having an argument. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. You think so? Seeing a great white and an orca just having like a blowout. It's just like an episode of Street Sharks, isn't it? Oh my god, Street Sharks! I forgot about that. <laughs> so those are the so bad. those are like the primary symbiotic relationships in the real world. Okay, so we have three symbiotic relationships and five symbiotic situations. Yeah, that's how I would say it. Okay. But I'm not a scientist, so. Not a doctor. If you all weren't aware, we are not scientists. Please consult your physician if you believe you have a parasite. <laughs> Yes, especially if it's a symbiote. Especially if it keeps demanding chocolate. Or don't. That was kind of the thing like about maybe, venom. Maybe let's not tell them don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, we just said, please consult your doctor. And they're like, or don't. Like, well, that... Well, that was your advice. Me. That was my advice. Your advice is just leave the parasitic I mean, if creature, slug a, creature. If it's a symbiote. But it takes over your brain and makes you eat brain soup. Not if it's Venom. He just wants to hang out and be you your friend for life. You just said Venom did that. He took over He eats anyhow. other people's brains, not your brain. Yeah, but can you imagine the tummy ache after all those brains? That's fair. Ugh. I mean, if you if we're going to go back to Venom, there's the, like, Carnage is the other famous mm-hmm. symbiote. It's considered that Cash, Cassius, Cassidy, Cletus Cassidy. Cletus Cassidy. Is no longer, like, he's no longer really there. What are we talking about? Carnage, his host. Okay, thank you. You're looking at me like I know anything I'm about sorry. this. I forget that you don't, you like don't know anything about the symbiotes. Yeah, I don't know much about symbiotes at all. I know Venom. But yeah. I knew Venom and Eddie Brock, but I didn't know anything about okay. bonding to Peter Parker and, and having brain soup. Yeah. So there's um, Venom's big brother? Child. <gasps> child? Oh no. Katie, <laughs> how long do you want this episode to be? I don't know, man. <laughs> I can go into the symbiote reproduction. No, we're fine. We're fine. (laughs) Okay. So anyways, it's considered, you know, so there's, you know, the bad and the good symbiotes. Yeah. And so Carnage is one of the symbiotes that essentially overrode his hosts. He was one of the corrupted. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're like no longer separate individuals. They're just purely Carnage. They are Carnage. Exactly. We are Legion. So Carnage is definitely not good. Carnage 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 has become one with the... He's pure evil. 
He he got up, got up, and then got down with the sickness. Yeah. Where Venom, you see him, like, flip-flopping morality a lot of times. He's a gray area. Yeah. He'll okay. be, like, a good guy or a bad guy. Is like, OG mode was anger at Peter Parker for abandoning him. Aww. And then Eddie Brock was angry at Peter Parker for getting him fired, so they fused together and became a primary Spider-Man villain. In their anger. Yeah. But over time, they developed into a more complex character. Okay. So Venom's the anti-hero in this. He's not the villain all yeah, the time. He's, he's more become of more the... of an anti-hero now. Gotcha. But so, like, I would argue that Venom... Because at first I was like, oh, he's got to be a parasite. But then the more I looked into it, there wasn't anything saying that Venom was actively consuming Eddie. Ed- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So really, Eddie was just had to deal with an angsty, emo teenager latched onto him and feed him chocolate while he got superpowers. Yeah. But the main issue is that the mind-altering effects that they can have on you mm-hmm. is you're not sure if you're in control or not. It still seems like a very mutually beneficial situation. Right. right so Venom actually is not a parasite in that sense. He is not a parasitic situ Organism? No, he's still a parasitic organism because he needs something else sim- to feed symbiotic on. symbiotic Yeah, relationship. But he needs something else to feed on. But he's not a parasitic symbiotic relationship. He is a mutualistic That's symbiotic what I would, relationship. I would consider it one of the mutualistic relationships. Okay. What do you think the Sputnik character is going to be? Oh, Sputnik. You think that's going to be a parasitic situation? Well, I, I did a lot of research on it, so I don't want to... You don't want to spoil much. it for me? Yeah. Oh, no. That means I'm right. Oh, no, he's giving me the eye. I'm not right. Oh, no. He's twiddling the this. mustache. I will say this. For me, the the creature in Sputnik is very similar to Venom, except oh. a little bit more gory, because it is a horror film. Okay. Like, I'll probably be covering my eyes. So we can actually watch them eat the brain soup? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it yet. I waited for you. Thank you. so. Okay, so we have learned in this that there are a lot of different kinds of symbiotic relationships, but Venom is not a parasitic relationship, which is why we can see him as a morally ambiguous character, because he is a mutually beneficial situation with Eddie Brock. And I think he might be in a toxic relationship with Eddie. And Venom, if you need help, blink twice. <laughs> come through the phone. Let us know. Maybe don't. Maybe don't come through my phone. Yeah, probably not. That'd it's be scary. Idea. Yeah, don't do that. Mm-mm. If my phone started oozing black goo at me, I'd be calling tech support real quick on your phone, not on mine, because it's shooting black goo. It's not good. Yeah. All right. So I think that's all the time we've got for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Until then, later, nerds. Laters. Monster to Monster is written by Caitlin and David Davidson, produced by the D-Law Network. Songs and background music are by Digital Lizards of Doom. All creatures are copyright to their respective owners. If there are any monsters you want to hear us talk about, or you just want to keep up with our goofiness, please follow us on Twitter at M2MThePodcast. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Spotify or wherever you find your daily dose of podcasty goodness. 